Good morning again, church family. Thanks for joining us today, whether you're here or online. Uh, we've been in a sermon series called Life Changing Encounters with Jesus. And these are stories of transformation brought about by the love of God in Christ. And Jesus is the common factor in every single one of these stories of transformation. He's the common factor. And today my hope is that you leave with Jesus lifted high in your hearts and in your minds. Be in awe of Jesus today. Will you please pray with me? God, we just come to you. Would you be lifted high in our hearts and minds as we look at your word? Help us to be in awe of you, Jesus, to marvel as we see in today's scripture. Help us to marvel at you, to be in awe as we look at this life-changing encounter with Jesus. Be honored, be glorified in this time, and help us then to apply these truths to our life. In Jesus' name, amen. I got a PowerPoint to start off with, and <laughs> a question for you. If you saw this guy in public, how would you respond? Honestly. For me, I'm probably running the other way. <laughs> He's a scary dude. Actually, I looked up scary guy, and he popped up. <laughs> his name, his nickname, I guess his given nickname is the scary guy. So I'm running the other way. I don't know about you. <laughs> and you'll see why I'm doing this. We're going to have a pictures up here of a few different intimidating people, intimidating men. Next slide, please. How about this guy? You see this guy sitting beside the road. How do you respond? Okay, next slide. How about this guy? That look is pretty intimidating, right? That is an intimidating look. How do you respond when you see, or this guy? He's probably not wearing that mask because of the virus, though, right? <laughs> How about this guy? How about this guy? How do you respond when you see this guy in public? Next slide. Or this guy. How are you responding in this moment? Next slide. <laughs> How about this guy? Anybody know who this is? <laughs> we got one. <laughs> He's a famous movie actor, Jason Momoa. He played Aquaman. That's who that is. All the girls are like, ooh, he's cute. <laughs> he's scary, I just got to tell you. I'm running the other way, right, if I see him. Now, a lot of these guys, to be honest with you, I'm kind of intimidated by, just being honest. I might walk the other way in my flesh, in my sin nature. I might walk the other way. I wouldn't engage them. Would you, how about you? Would you engage these folks? Next slide. Oh, these guys are scary. These guys are scary, in my opinion, right? The guy on the right, he is a rock star. He really is a rock star. He's the lead singer for Korn. And he lived the life of a rock star. Everything you could imagine, he had it. Lived that life. I heard his testimony. It's, it's in multiple places on YouTube. <laughs> Lead singer from Corn. He got invited to church from a friend. And through that process, through reading his Bible, through searching out the scriptures, through his friends, came to love Jesus, came to know Jesus. He's a changed man. Talk about a life transformation there. It's kind of crazy. If you notice, he has a Jesus tattoo across his knuckles. <laughs> That's kind of neat. 
My friend on the left, his name is Roger. He was a youth leader with me in Oshkosh when I was there as a youth leader serving in the youth ministry at Oshkosh Community Church in Wisconsin. He has an amazing story of life transformation too. He, he, was, he was into alcohol big time, alcoholic. And Jesus rescued him from a life of alcoholism. Next slide, please. Here's the tender side of Roger. <laughs> Pretty sweet. I believe that's his niece. Next slide. Anybody know this person? All the youth <laughs> might know this guy. Don't tell anybody. Anybody know this guy? Anybody recognize this guy? He was sitting right there for service. He was. He was sitting right there for service. I asked him if I could share this. His name is Russ Miller. <laughs> and when he first um, started coming to youth, or I'm sorry, started coming to Melanie Park Church, he was interested in serving in the youth group. And I had, a, I had a crazy idea. Bruce has crazy ideas sometimes. I tried to set up teachable moments for our students. And so I asked Russ, Russ, could you dress up gothic and come and join us and just sit among the students at the youth group? And so being the incredible Russ Miller he is, of course he said yes. And he played the part pretty well, didn't he? <laughs> anybody recognize him? Did anybody? <laughs> wow, okay. And it was really a great teachable moment. We had a great discussion about it. Lots of people were really offered towards him. Who is this guy? I would be. I'd be running. If I saw him, I'm running, right? He's a scary guy. But I do have to share this story. Um, there was a few students, and one in particular that I remember. Her name is Macy Tapp. You guys know Macy Tapp? She moved towards him, engaged Russ, looking like this, sitting. And he played the part, just sat there kind of offish, kind of quiet. He moved, or she moved towards him. Engaged him, I think, like Jesus would, to love him, to see through the outer shell, to look at the person. And the reason, oh, let's go next slide, please. Here's the softer side of Russ. If you don't know him, you got to get to know this guy. He's amazing. He's going to be helping out with our student ministry again this year. We just kidnapped Frank, his son. I'm so excited to have Frank and Russ in the youth ministry this year. But you see a Gramps apiece, a young Gramps apiece on the right on the back of Russ Miller. He's an incredible man. loves Jesus. I'm excited for him to be part of our student ministry again. Anyway, why am I showing you this, these slides? Well, we're going to encounter, or I'll say this, Jesus encounters one of the scariest men of the Bible. One of the scariest. We call him Legion. <laughs> He's a scary dude. So check this out. Before we jump in, though, I want to give you some context before we jump into this story. It's in Mark 5, if you want to start turning there. Um, yeah, thank you. Awesome, Lynn. Thank you. Um, Jesus was doing much of his ministry in an area of Galilee, and it's to the western side of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, he was doing miracles and performing signs and teaching a lot in that region. Uh, at one point, he requested his disciples to bring him across the Sea of Galilee. And so they sailed to the eastern side of the sea to the region called the Capolis. Okay? And during the crossing, though, you can read about this 
in Mark 4, during the crossing, a great storm arose during that crossing. And it was scary enough that the disciples thought they were going to perish, they were going to die. And what's Jesus doing in this moment? (laughs) He's napping. How do you nap during a storm that you think you're going to die in? I've been on Lake Winnebago, which is a huge lake in Wisconsin, right in Oshkosh. And sailing, even in fast wind, is scary. So I can imagine this, this, the fear that these disciples were feeling. They woke Jesus up. They woke him up. Don't you care that we're perishing? And Jesus said, peace, be still. And the storm was calm. Like that, at his word. The disciples marveled at Jesus and said, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Who is this man? They marveled. So now that you have that context in mind, we're going to read from Mark 5, 1 through 20. It's a little bit of a long passage. Stay with me. I'm reading from ESV. So Mark 5, chapter 1, or I'm sorry, verse 1. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart And he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you, by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send him out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him, saying, send us to the pigs. Let us enter them. And so he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the sea bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. And the people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man And the one who had a legion, had the legion sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might might, might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord had done for you and how he's had mercy on you. And he went away, 
and began to proclaim in, in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. As soon as Jesus steps out of the boat, he's met by a man with an unclean spirit. In Luke's gospel, it says he's met by a man with, who had demons, plural. So listen to this description of him, and let me know if this is a scary dude. This man we call Legion, he lived among the tombs, it says. And these tombs are probably just caves dug up by the cliffside, by the, by the seaside. And that's where they would put their dead. And so this man lived among the dead in a graveyard. And according to the text, they often attempted to chain him up, to subdue him, or in other words, to bring him under control. And that same word can be used for a wild animal to try to subdue an animal. They chained him up, or tried to at least, and was treated like a wild animal. They put him in shackles, but he would often break them into pieces. He broke them into pieces. And no one had the strength to control him. He was literally out of control. And day and night he cried out and cut himself with stones. And in Luke's gospel it says that he wore no clothes. The man was naked. This is a scary man. I'm running in the other direction if I see this guy. This man is an outcast. He's definitely written off in my book. And he's way beyond help. But Jesus knew better. And he engages him. The man came running to Jesus and falls before him. But this was not an act of worship. It was not. It was more a plead for mercy. The demons knew exactly who Jesus was. The demons proclaimed that Jesus was the son of the most high God. That phrase, most high God, is actually a Gentile way to um, describe the Hebrew God, the Most High God. So the demons knew who Jesus is. They knew who he was. And to the best of my knowledge, demons are fallen angels. They follow after Satan now. So knowing Jesus has the power and authority of the Most High God, the demons ask them, not to torment them. Probably, they were probably thinking to eternal hell is what they were probably thinking. They know Jesus is large and in charge. So Jesus caused the unclean spirit to come out of the man. And it's interesting, in other places in Scripture, when Jesus caused demons to come out, they immediately leave. They have to he is the one with the power and authority. He's in charge. But in this case, Jesus allows the demons to remain, at least for a moment. Why? That was my question as I was working through this. Why would he allow these demons to remain? 
for this at least shorter moment. Why? I think the next question will help us understand why. He says, what is your name? The demons respond, and listen to these pronouns. English teachers, you might close your ears. <laughs> it says, my name is Legion, for we are many. It's an interesting use of singular and plural pronouns in one sentence. That's not right. From my study, some scholars believe that there was one demon acting as the head spokesman, right, for the multitude of demons. And that's why you get the singular and the plural. My name is Legion, for we are many. But what is a legion anyway? How many are in a legion? During the Roman Empire, a legion consisted of an army of well-trained men, ranging from 3,000 to 6,000 soldiers. And most of my study actually pointed to the higher end, the 6,000 range. So the fact that these demons are named legion tells us that there are thousands of demons in possession of this man. And these demons have taken over this poor man's life and have just destroyed him. This man is scary for sure. But now imagine with me what these demons have stolen from this man. And I wonder if this is what Jesus was considering crossing the sea, a raging sea. They have stolen this man from his family, his friends, his loved ones. They have stolen this man's sanity, this man's dignity as a human. And now he's treated like, like an animal. They have stolen this man's hopes and dreams. They have robbed this man just about of everything but life itself. And this scary man, this man I'd run from, Jesus engages with compassion. I love this about Jesus. He sees through the outward appearance and that image of that scary man and with compassion <laughs> delivers this man from a, the oppression of thousands of demons. My prayer as I read this is, Jesus, help me see people as you see people. That's my prayer. Jesus, help me see people as you see people. Help me see through their scary image at times, right? And they have compassion as you have compassion. Will you join me in praying that? I believe it's for the glory of God that Jesus allowed those demons to remain before a moment. I think that those present and even us today might see the power and authority that Jesus has over a legion of demons. Only he has the power to deliver this man. And because Jesus has all power and all authority, 
the demons had to ask permission to be sent into the herd of pigs. And Jesus allows it. Maybe to give those present, maybe us today, just that visual image, right? Jesus could just cast out the demons and they'd leave. But here we see it's obvious the visual image of this, right? The demons entered the pigs, the herd of pigs, and upwards of 2,000, it's a 2,000 strong. And they all rushed down a hill and plummet into the Sea of Galilee, perishing. Who's in charge, right? <laughs> Who's got the authority? Who's got the power? Who is in charge? Now, the herdsmen watching over the pigs, they went to the city and the countryside and told the folks about what happened. And when the crowds came, they saw the man sitting there, clothed, right? And in his right mind. He was there with Jesus. Now, I imagine this took some time. I imagine for these herdsmen to go into the city, into the countryside, and gather this crowd. I imagine it took some time. Where was this man? With Jesus. This man set me free. I want to be with him. The crowds heard what happened. And in fear, they asked Jesus to leave. My thought is most likely they were fearful of the economic loss. After all, 2,000 pigs could have provided a lot for their local economy, if you think about it. So as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man Jesus delivered begged Jesus that he might go with him. Take me, take me. I want to be with you, Jesus. Since this man's possession, all he's ever known is nothing but pain and loneliness and shame. But now, he just wants to be with Jesus, the man who set him free. But Jesus does not let him come. He says, instead, in, instead he tells him to go home and tell his friends how much the Lord had done for him. And how the Lord had mercy on him. Everyone say mercy. The man didn't stop at just his home and friends, though. I love this. He went and proclaimed in all of Decapolis. Decapolis is a region, and it's named after ten cities. If you think about uh, Decathlon, ten events, right? Decapolis, ten cities. He went and proclaimed all that Jesus had done in these in this area of the capitalists. And everyone marveled, is what it says. Everyone marveled at what Jesus had done for this man. I don't know about you, but this passage has helped me marvel at Jesus. See, he crossed, just think about this for a second, he crossed a radiancy just to be just to set a man we call legion free. A man we would want nothing to do with. And the fact that Jesus had power and authority over thousands of demons. 
a legion of demons. He has all power and all authority. Matthew 28 tells me that. All power and authority are his. I hope this life-changing encounter with Jesus made you in awe of him. I remember the first time I was in awe of Jesus and how he could transform a person's life. I was invited to a youth ministry. I was 18 years old. I was invited to a youth ministry. And I went hesitantly. I grew up um, in a church but didn't pay any attention. I remember watching the ceiling fans instead of listening to the, the teacher. And then was not interested at all. But she invited me, and so I went, and I remember the music, really enjoying the music, and thought, there's something different here. This is really neat. And then I remember an inner city black man getting up on stage and sharing his testimony. And he was in the gangs and drugs, and how Jesus had transformed his life. And now he's going from church to church sharing his story. I don't know that man's name. He doesn't even know I exist. I can't wait to meet that man in heaven. Hug his neck. Say thank you for sharing your story. That night I was now on the edge of my seat. Probably for the first time ever in a church really engaged. And I thought to myself, I need that. I need that. And it was Jesus. I responded to the gospel. That day. Amen. Amen. I need that. I need to be rescued. I need to be transformed. Amen. Ten years later, <laughs> I've been a youth pastor here for ten years. Just celebrated it two days ago. Pretty awesome. Thank you, Lord. But I want to tell you also what Jesus has delivered me from. He's delivered me from sin and death because of his payment for sin on the cross and his resurrection. I now have victory over sin and death. I'll be with him when I pass. But let me tell you what the Lord has delivered me from. And this is just a short list. He has delivered me from a life focused on myself. Man, I was so self-centered and can still be sometimes. He's delivered me from the trap of pornography. He's delivered me from anger and a bad temper. I remember getting so mad at my, my sister. I punched the floor. Thankfully, I didn't punch her. I broke my knuckle. I was just so angry. I had a horrible temper. I could share story after story about all these areas, too. We just don't have time. But he, he rescued me from the snare of lying and cheating and stealing. He's rescued me from just having a foul mouth. I remember that. <laughs> After becoming a believer and cussing and thinking, being convicted. <laughs> He's rescued me from just an ugly attitude. Now, I can still go there at times, still tempted with that, still go there. But these are just a name, a few. And I got to tell you, the Lord's got plenty of work to do in my life. But he's rescued, he's delivered me. And now I'm asking the Lord to deliver my family, my friends, 
my neighbors. I want everyone to know Jesus and be rescued by him. I believe Jesus would cross a raging sea to deliver you and me. In fact, he did something far, far greater. He went to the cross and back (laughs) to rescue you and me. I'm all in. He experienced the full penalty of my sin so that I might experience the full life in him. Hopefully, you're more, you're more in awe of Jesus than when you first arrived. If not, I hope this video helps. This next video, um, it always makes me in awe of our King, Jesus, who has all power and authority. If you could roll the video. The Bible says my king is a king of the Jews. He's a king of Israel. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's a king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Come
that's my king. I love that line that says, I wish I could describe him to you, but he's indescribable. Love that line. As he goes off three minutes of describing Jesus, right? So where are you today? Are you the one needing deliverance from something today? I got to tell you, Jesus has all power and authority. Come to him with your greatest needs. Or are you the one needing to see all people? Even the ones we might consider scary on the outside. And out of reach even. Are you the one that needs to see people as Jesus sees people? Or finally, maybe you're, you just need to be in awe of Jesus again. Maybe you just need a, a renewed aweness of Jesus. That's probably not a word, is it? <laughs> Honest. Maybe you just need a renewed honest of Jesus. Make that your prayer. We're going to um, move into one more song. And during this time, this is a chance for you to reflect, to pray, and to praise Jesus. So wherever you're at, make that your prayer. <laughs>